Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger, and today we are going to go on an exploration uh, to discover the mysteries of Angular's legendary change detection. It's pretty <laughs> exciting, so let's uh, get into it. Joining us as panelists today, we've got Alyssa with us. Alyssa, what's going on? Hey, everybody. And we've got Austin as well. Austin, how's it going? How's it going, everyone? Excited to be here and hear about change detection. <laughs> All right. And our guest today is Max NG Wizard Koretsky. <laughs> how's it going, Max? Yeah, I'm fine. Hi. First time here. Feeling good. <laughs> Let's see the thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Max, why don't you tell our viewers a little bit about yourself, what you got going on, what you do, um, what this NG Wizard is all about, all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I spent a lot of time looking at the sources of Angular and then figuring out how to write <laughs> about it so that people understand. And <laughs> once I figured that out, you know, I put that out on my blog, on Medium. And uh, yeah, I'm also one of the top contributors for Angular on Stack Overflow. Like, used to be very active there, but less now. And uh, yeah, that's and you know, code for food. You know, like most of us. On Stack Overflow, do you have, uh, do you do a lot of stuff on Angular or Angular JS as well? Uh, no, I, I became very uh, active on Angular. However, I read the great book by Tero on Build Your Own Angular. It's, it's a great book, so you know I'm, I'm kind of very good within the internals of AngularJS as well, but, but didn't contribute that much to Stack Overflow. Cool, cool. I think you've answered some of my Stack Overflow questions before. I kind of feel like, kind of feel like you have, so yeah, I think everyone would thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, yeah, you know, and, and speaking of looking in the source code, so like that's kind of something that you need to do to discover what's going on with, with change detection, right? Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, there is not much about it yet, right? Uh, the documentation is getting better and better. You know, like I checked it maybe a few months ago, it was missing some stuff on on injectors and forms, but it's it's uh, catching up very very fast, and it's it's quite lengthy now. I guess it's uh, it's like a whole book out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I think change detection is a really important um, subject for Angular developers to learn and to understand. Right? It's something that kind of we just get for free, and it happens. And in a lot of cases, it's smooth and easy going. Uh, but I think we get into scenarios pretty quick where we got to, if we understand what's going on under the hood with it, then we can make better decisions about how we architect and, and have an understanding of what's happening and what's going on, right? So I think it's really important for Angular developers to, hey, watch this episode, right? And follow along and, and get an understanding I mean, of what's going on. Plus wrong. it's like really interesting, right? Like let's not forget that factor that some of us are nerds and actually enjoy this stuff. Come on, Justin, come on. <laughs> I think it's helpful for me, like, I'm like sitting here staring at it and it's all magical. And I'm like, why is this not working? The magic is broken. 
Yeah, it's like that expression has changed after it was checked. One, it's like, where did that come? Why now? Right? Uh, need some answers. What's going? Just on do a that? set timeout every time. Every time I see that, just set timeout. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm not advocating that. Do not do that. <laughs> but sometimes you have to. It's there is nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I mean, if you if you know what you're doing, right? If you if it's just a, a, there's a cool cool phrase, shotgun debugging. You probably guys are familiar with that. You know, when you try to put everything there, you know, just in the hope that it will work. <laughs> so that's that's about it. But, yeah, yeah. I I feel like we end up with that a lot, right? As we get into change detection and. And you're like, okay, let me try this. Let me try that. Let me try that. Oh, now I got a zone issue. Now what's going on? And you're just like, I don't know. Just throw the whole, you know, everything at it, right? Um, yeah, it's challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, it's not easy to come up with a good, uh, you know, use case to demonstrate how it's working inside. Because what I see on conferences is that when people explain DI, for example, dependence injection, right? They, you can say, okay, let's come up with this use case. And here, here we can demonstrate how dependency injection works. However, I was thinking today, how, how, what use case can I come up with to show how it's working inside? And it's actually not, not that easy because it's internals, right? It, it becomes relevant not when you implement in something, but rather when you have a problem like, like an error and uh, you need to debug that, then it becomes relevant. <laughs> So all my cases are based on things that don't work. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you're going to make them work, right? Yeah, I have to, yeah. At least we'll try. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> there so it would be interesting to hear, like, you're going to demonstrate things that obviously don't work. It'll be interesting to hear, like, why those are not. Like, work it, why are these fixes not done in master as well? So uh, that, that'll be an interesting twist to hear, like, why you have to do this on your own versus, like, why it's not just being done automatically if we know about it. Uh, OK, OK. Well, well, we'll see each case in particular. But I will probably, well, we'll see. But some cases will be presented as I uh, sold them on Stack Overflow, or someone asked a question on Medium, you know, because they had, or the recent one, I had a lengthy discussion on GitHub with a guy who didn't, well, understood, understand the, how um, on push works under the hood. I mean, maybe he did, but he thought it should be working the other way around, so. Like misconceptions, that's probably a better word to describe the cases I'll, I'll show. Cool. Well, do you want to uh, get started showing some stuff? Yep. Yeah. Um, so, so um, I think we're gonna we're gonna start with a quick look at how the rendering part works inside the framework. Okay. And uh, this is not the case where there is something broken. It's uh, a plain implementation of one binding that will demonstrate how the rendering works. Because on uh, my view is that the rendering part is the most important one, right? Because you know, without seeing anything on the web page, you, you don't see the application. I mean, input bindings, uh, query list, uh, 
uh, like view child, content child, you know, all these things are built on, on top, like additional stuff. But the core thing is rendering, right? Getting data from the model and syncing it back to DOM. And so I'll just have a quick, we'll, we'll take a quick look at that, okay? Okay, so I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to share my screen now. Um, let me know if you see that. Okay. Okay. Yep. Looks good. Right. See my screen? You don't see me, right? I, you see my screen? <laughs> just me. just I mean, see the code. Yeah, we're good. Okay, cool. It means I can, you know, do whatever I want here. <laughs> it's just... Um, <laughs> so... What do we have here? We have a simple component here, okay? One simple component with one DOM element and one input binding, right? Text content, we know that this is a property of a DOM element that will replace its, uh, basically its children with the uh, text that we supply, right? And that text will be this one here, okay? So I'm, I'm gonna show you how Angular views that component and how it, what the process is of actually getting the value from here and updating this spawn element, right? Uh, no questions so far? <laughs> um, okay, you guys, you guys probably have to like say, all right, Max, we, we understand because I get a sense that I'm talking to myself, not. <laughs> Looking, looking good, Max. Looking good. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the kind of feedback I'm expecting. Okay, so let's first think how Angular. How do you guys think Angular represent this this template? You know, or this component inside. Um, any any ideas? Anyone heard of any concept or abstraction that Angular uses under the hood? Are you talking about like the render? Uh, no, uh, uh, like uh, what structure it uses under the hood to represent components. Okay, it's it's a view. Did you guys ever encounter the view concept? Um, nope. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna um, introduce yeah. this concept here because it's very important. Uh, like I mentioned a lot uh, of this about this concept in my articles. So Angular represents all components as views, right? So if we have, uh, let me just type script here. So we have a view, okay? It will be our view, okay? So what properties should this view have? What, what do you guys think? This will be, I'm, I'm you know, question answer session, <laughs> something like that. Uh, so we have this view that represents this component. And uh, what do you guys think we should put in that view? How about the DOM? DOM. Okay, right. We need to uh, somehow store DOM nodes here, right? Because every every component has this template, which eventually should convert into DOM elements, right? So that's correct. And we can have nodes here, okay. Nodes, each node can be represented as an object. And let's say uh, 
we call that object render element. And here we will put HTML, uh, HTML span element. All right. So this is internal presentation of our component. What's missing here? Bindings. Okay, bindings, correct. We need to know how the component class is bound to DOM nodes, right? That's a, that's a good catch. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to it later. The other thing, maybe if I put it like that. What about like the, the context of the class and the functions that it has? Yes, right. It has to be bound to a class, right? So we have component here, and this is like new app component. Okay. All right. Yes, this is the basic stuff. This is the view. This is how Angular sees all components under the hood. And we'll be talking a lot today about views because change detection process is based on views, right? It doesn't operate on the notion of a component. It operates on the views and specifically on these nodes. So Justin, you mentioned the uh, bindings, right? We need right. somehow to store them. Okay, so what if we have like component two, component view two and component view one. This is our, these are two instances of components, right? Like for example, we have a template, we have two components. Uh, if we put bindings into view, right? we need to duplicate them, right? Because essentially the bindings will be the same for this view and for this view as well, right? Since these are both views produced from this component which have, which has the same binding time. Okay, and this so is the example if you're using that same component in two different yes, places. Yes, you yeah, yeah, you have a template, template, and okay, and you have like like app component one. Okay, gotta slow down. And then you have another app component, right? Only with with tags. Okay, yeah, you have two components, then you have two views internally. However, the bindings should be shared between them, right? Because there's no there's no point in duplicating them. So we have something called, uh, uh, just forgot the name, <laughs> view definition, okay? We have another object, which is view definition. And this is the thing that defines metadata, metadata for each view. This one is used to instantiate the view. Right. So suppose this view, this definition will be used. It's you can think of it as uh, as a class, right? When you have a class, and then you have to instantiate it to get its instance. And a class is like a template. It defines what fields a class instance will have. So um, this kind of thinking applies here very very precisely. And uh, so if this thing defines the structure of this view, what you guys would put here? 
So wouldn't that be your inputs and outputs, right? Right, yeah, we'll have to put bindings here. That's yes. that's correct. And, um, and, and it also defines these nodes as well, right? So you should have nodes here as well, like this. Right? So this is like a static definition of the view, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's a, well. I see it as a as a template or metadata. You know, what kind of nodes we need to create. For example, here we can say that uh, the first node that needs to be created it should have uh, like type, right? It will be type element, okay? Because this is the DOM element type. The other types can be like text or directive, or there are many of them, but we're right now concerned only with DOM elements. And uh, so this type, what else would you guys put here? So we're saying that the first node is DOM element. What would you put here? Would you put any attributes or properties or anything like that? Yeah, that's that's correct. Yeah, we have attributes here. That's right, attributes. Okay, this view. And the one, one very important thing, <laughs> like if you look at that, it's uh, okay. It's a name. It can be span, right? Yes, it can be diff. It can be you know, any type of DOM element. So we should say that it's a pun. And Max, what we're looking yeah. at here is the compiled code, correct? That we're kind of yeah, that's a good yeah, group? this good note, right? Uh, actually, this thing is what is produced by compiler. This is called view definition, and you probably have heard about uh, factories, right? Because ahead of time, compiler produces factories, and actually. Factory is responsible for producing this view definition, this thing. Yeah, so this is like simplified, very simplified output of a of uh, component compilers. So this is the stuff that's going to get delivered over the wire to the client, and the client and the browser is going to be running this to actually pull off the run of your application. Yeah, the runnable code. Yes, the Angular framework the core will use this definition to instantiate each component, to instantiate component views. So uh, it knows that, uh, for example, if we give it a name like this, okay, this will be like app component view one, okay, component view two. Okay. So this, is, this definition is specific to uh, app component. And, um, this and every time Angular needs to instantiate new component, for example, the it it goes through a template. It encounters uh, an app component inside the template. It it uh, understands that it needs to create a new instance of the uh, app component. Well, actually, you will have here. Right inside the definition, you will have like type directive here, or type, yeah, like, uh, 
the ch children child components will be defined inside the view definition okay but i mean that's not not really uh, important for the dom part okay just don't want to want us to be focused on this one because uh, th there are a lot of things to talk about just so um so is it clear that these are few definitions and this is what produced by compiler and runtime uses these definitions to instantiate component views like this so these are the things that are generated by aot right is that what these, you're yes th these guys yeah awesome so yeah. basically the jit the compiler aot those things generate these based on our components that we define there um, yeah these are precisely, precisely. Our, you know, basically the building blocks of, of creating that change detection. Um, no, they are not. They are um, they are related to change detection. But one thing is that uh, I mean, achieving change detection, having this metadata assembled like this, makes it easy. Well, that's a good question because uh, if you answer the question, can you have a framework with components without change detection? The answer is yes, right? You can still have components. You will have a tree of components represented internally with these views. However, without change detection, which uh, implements rendering, you will not see anything. However, in your memory, inside the web app, you'll, you'll see all those views. So it's like two-edge question, right? You're right that uh, the change detection is based on this meta information it uses it to render nodes and as you see here it also uses um, the angular core code uses this uh, definition to know which kind of element to create right since we specified span here it will create html span element for the view but if we specify div here it would create html div element you know, so this information describes what kind of view should be created. This that's the point I'm trying to get across. Okay, any any feedback? Just oh. <laughs> oh. maybe. That's good. Okay, so we have these definitions, but we're missing bindings, right, Justin? You said that should be information here. How this type element is bound to. Um, our prop component, and so these are the things that I wanted to show before we see the actual view definition here. So here, how it looks like this, like this. Okay. So just as I showed you guys, it, we have nodes here. We have here. You specify each type of node which type of node that is. And you have element, which name span here. We've seen that. And here's the part that we didn't see is bindings, actually. And you see here that the binding specifies that uh, the binding is type property. And the property name we should, uh, the input is bound to is text content, OK? So if we specified here something else, like uh, like this, guys, do you know that that kind of uh, binding? Is it? Is it? Yep. 
Okay. So yeah, this would mean that we have a different type of binding, not property, but class binding. So the view definition would look different. It would look like uh, like type element class here, and then we'll have like this. This is a, so the code. It's very very close to the actual code, but a bit simplified. Okay. However, I'm showing you that the changes you make in a template are reflected in the view definition. View definition. That's okay. Right, so so we know that we have the view definition that is used, and actually, I'm I'm just gonna quickly show you it where you can see it, where I often debug it. It's inside the browser here. You can see I'm using JIT compiler here, and inside the sources you have this ng thing. You see this part, and we have our app component. And this thing is JIT view definition. You see, it's a it's a bit different to what you see. What I've shown you, because I've showed you already the output already. This is the output, and this is incoming stuff. However, they are very close. You see here, it's element definition, name spawn, etc. Just I'm not gonna get deep into this just one of you guys and, and all others know that you can see the factories all that stuff uh in the browser you, this you is don't where need... when i have really odd errors and i'm like trying to debug it i'm like oh, this stupid code <laughs> like i have no <laughs> idea what this thing is doing like <laughs> properties under here are doing and and it's often like where I get these really strange like change yeah. errors where these things end up uh, like coming from. Um, uh, maybe <laughs> not not sure, but at least you now know that <laughs> this is generated by compiler and this is mostly view definitions. Okay, inside here. Right, so let's move on. So we have view definition. I've shown you guys the view as well. This is the the real view. Uh, we've seen nodes, right? Right. Okay. We've seen component. These are the things that I showed you earlier, and we identify as missing. What else? Each view has a reference to the view definition that contains meta information. We know that. And um, actually, all views created for one particular component, like all instances of app component will share one view definition, one instance of view definition, because once the factory returns it, it's cached and then used across the application. There are two things that may not be uh, easy to understand here right away. Each view has a state. Like what kind of states we're talking about here? A, a view can be checked or like first check. So the, the, all most of these states are uh, related to change detection. For example, you see here is attached and checks enabled. It means that change detection should run on this view. Uh, and uh, the things like on push, uh, change detector detach, etc. All they operate on this state. They just modify this state, and when change detection runs, it sees that, ah, this view is in detached state. 
I don't need to check it. Okay. And the other the other possible state is destroyed, like the view is destroyed. Okay, this what goes for state, and here we have old values. Okay, this is uh, the mechanism known as dirty checking, right? When we need to check each value with its previous value, and if they don't match, we need to re-render. This is and yeah. for our audience, like dirty checking is essentially what Angular one was based around. Absolutely, yeah. This is the same mechanism. That's uh, one of my articles was named or is named "Digest is reborn in Angular" <laughs> because everyone was claiming that it was killed. <laughs> it's it's alive and doing good. <laughs> Upgraded. <laughs> Yeah, it's upgraded. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so the same the same principle, dirty checking. This is different from, for example, React, right? Where you just say set state, and you like explicitly let the framework know that you know I've changed some properties. So please re-render. And here it's automatic. Okay. So far, so good. Yep. All right. So this is the view that we'll be using. And um, just uh, a quick look, guys. I think we've spent not much time on that already. Just want to give you the idea how all those three parts interact inside change detection. So the first thing to understand is that change detection is run on on a view however uh, uh the rendering part is run specifically for each node uh what's important to understand is that which node to run on it's defined by the compiler but the thing that uh like triggers that is known as um it's known as let me show you this this guy called update renderer. You see this little code? What it does is basically says, uh, read the prop from the component, right? And change detection, run change detection for the node zero. We have only one node here with this value. You, you don't have to remember that. Just if you want to understand why something is not working, you first have to see what value is um, returned by this update renderer. And that's uh, an important thing because the process of change detection of rendering is decoupled in a way from the values it uses to update the DOM. So I, I will show you in a minute what I mean by that. But right yeah, I now- I was gonna ask we, if we could get a copy of that sexy chart. <laughs> Really want, really want to study it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll share. Do you have share that on a blog post? No, I'm not. I will. I'm, I'm writing a book on internals, <laughs> and I'll have a lot of diagrams like that inside. But I will share this one quick, definitely. A quick like sneak peek on when you think the book will be done. Do you have any ideas? Oh, planning to finish first chapter maybe in the end of January. 
So, okay. Yeah, yeah, long way to go. I mean, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I'll put a lot of there. But I'll definitely share all that. I mean, I can probably also put it all on GitHub. All those examples, if we manage to go through some of them. So, just um, just a quick look. Okay, don't want to uh, spend more time on that. Um, so when this thing extracted value from the component, and what just just want to check check if you guys follow me, what this car value zero will be for our app component. If you put it here, just one is on the first run. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, when this function is called update renderer by change detection, uh, where will be the value of this selected thing? Uh, this is the reference to the component instance class. So it's whatever values in the prop uh, class field? Yeah. yeah what yeah. value is in the prop field? Element yeah, input the, binding update? Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. Okay. So yeah. Just the string. So, yeah, so you see this update renderer function is responsible for taking the value from the component and then passing it down to change detection. The change detection or rendering part itself doesn't know what the value will be. It doesn't care about the component, where the value came from. And it's a very clever implementation because we'll see later that how we get the value is, you know, can vary because we can get it through the function call, we can get it through the pipe, we can, I don't know, other ways. Just, just guys, so you follow since you knew what the value would be, right? Put it to you and put a debugger here. Let's see my debugger. Yep. Okay, you see? It's exactly what you guys thought it would be. So, I like this that you're showing this right here because in if we're debugging our apps and if we look up the in the sources right and try and find the file for the component name the ng factory for that component right then mm -hmm. we can get to somewhere where we can break point in here and actually see which is cool not only the incoming value but i'm assuming we can also see the current value that's stored in there yeah yeah you can have like this yeah this is this is actually instance of component you see here app component instance so Right, you can have access here. What what this might be important to is that you should, if you see element input binding update here, you should know that this value will be used to run rendering. This is just okay. All right. Okay, and now now we let's finish with that one. So when update render sent value, this is actually rendering part of change detection. We update, we, we check the type of node, right? In our case, it's element. As I said it could be text or directive, but it's element now, right? Follow me? Mm -hmm. uh, here we check the type of binding, and in our case, it's property. And we just use view renderer set property. If we had binding for class, it would be uh, like renderer set class. Or set style or set attribute. Uh, and I put colored text here. I just want to show you guys that 
all three parts here are relevant, right? Uh, well, the most relevant part is probably view definition because it provides uh, all the meta information. It, it provides the element type here, it provides the binding type here, and it provides the binding uh, name to use with render. Okay, I'll, I'll put that, you, you can then check that, but should be, I mean, I've spent enough. Um, a good amount of time to rearrange this stuff so that it becomes uh, easy to to explore. Okay. Cool. So, so that's it. That's what I wanted to talk about for render. Let's let's move on. I just want to show you guys that um, I mentioned that be different, right? Uh, uh, can anyone come up with another way to uh, bind to tax content this prop? Like, not the property directly, but what what are, what other ways can we do that? I mean, you can use a mustache. You can use like HTML, things like that. Is that what you're? No, asking? I mean, no, no. I mean this part here. You here we directly reference in the property, but. Uh, Suppose you don't have that kind of, suppose the property is calculated. So it doesn't exist directly on a component. It's calculated. Uh -huh. Like a class method? Right, yeah. We can have a class method, yes. And so we can have a get value here like this, right? And just return this property. Okay, make sense? This. Actually, yes. got a yes. got a question on Stack Overflow. What is the more performant way? Put the property directly here, and or um, use a, a function method to get that value. Right? You guys see now the answer to the question. If we take a look at this update renderer, which I explained is generated and is responsible for retrieving the value and then passing it down to change detection mechanism. What do you guys think I should change here to reflect what we just done in a template? It's going to have to invoke that function to get that to get that property. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just we change it to this. And that's it. You see, the change detection process and rendering part, they don't care how this value is passed down. It's this guy, update renderer, knows that it, it should invoke a method doesn't get the property directly, etc. I mean, this logic is still generated by the compiler because this function is generated by the compiler as part of view definition. But you see, it's a good uh, split between the team. <laughs> like one, one, one part of team writes a compiler and they're responsible for passing the value down. The other part can focus on the rendering part. Okay, so uh, I think this is probably an, this is an important point to make for people to understand, right? That like because you've got that class method in there, that function is going to get called every time change detection cycle is run on this mm -hmm. particular component. Or exactly. To run right. Yes. So, yeah. You know, yeah. You're accessing a, a class field. You're just getting the value. You're accessing. You're making a function call. Depending on what you do inside that function call logic, that's getting called 
all the time. Every time change detection, ticks, yes, right. Yes, yeah. um, so you need to and be aware so, of that and understand that. Exactly. Yeah, it's a good good thing. Um, so uh, to answer the question the guy asked, you know, what's the performance hit? It comes it uh, comes down to the difference between uh, member access and member access plus function call in JavaScript. Right. This is it's not Angular thing, right? It's JavaScript thing. So that's that's how I responded. Was I correct or <laughs> should have done a better job? Yeah, and I think that your explanation of that these separation of concerns, how it's kind of decoupled from that, identifies why it's this JavaScript thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I showed I showed the different line, like this uh, this line and this one. So basically, the the difference is within these two lines. Nothing else is different, and it's JavaScript, pure JavaScript. Cool. Okay, right, and um, and now, guys, I want to show you this thing. What if we now uh, here we, we still have get prop? Okay, let it be. And what if I do like that? Get prop. And this. What do you think, guys? Will happen now? Get a random number each time. <laughs> I will, but <laughs> on top of that, what is the most famous error in Angular? Expression change before check or something like that? Yeah, yes. Because every time it tries to run the check, it's a different value. So it, it doesn't know how to, it's like a recursive loop, essentially. Exactly. Exactly, Austin. All right, that's it. Expression change. Have this been checked? Error. That's it. I don't. Uh, I don't like that error. You don't like that error? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't <laughs> like seeing uh, that error. Yeah, you have never. I seen I didn't know it, it was or... the most common one. Oh uh, well, maybe not for beginners. <laughs> maybe I, for. I think it's the most most common one because it's the most remembered one because it's the one that comes up and everybody's like. I don't know. What do I do? And you just start trying stuff, right? <laughs> so it's like, that's the one I remember because that's the one that drives me insane. Yeah. Well, actually, on Stack Overflow, it comes up like once a week, or twice a like week. The, this is like the equivalent of the the digest, the ten digest error that was like. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. It was. Uh, the digest loop was limited to 10 iterations in AngularJS. And once it reached 10 iterations, it produced that error. Yeah, that, that's equivalent. And uh, and you guys know why, why it happened, right? They also explained that, uh, well, let's see. The, let me show you guys first thing. If I do like that, what will happen? I'm enabling prod mode. You all get that error. I won't. Yeah, you're saying I won't. I I believe so. <laughs> okay. Yes, it's not here. So that fixes it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so quick fix. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So everyone watching this video, please notice that once you get this error, just do enable prod mode and 
Should not like, tell people that. <laughs> I, uh, okay. that's, that's, not, that's not what you want to do. No, I'm, just, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just we we can. Whoever dropped, sorry for you guys. Just <laughs> didn't see the last part. Um, what do you guys think we have the problem now? The error is gone, but but what is different now? Okay. What do you you guys think the value of the model now? Is it 0 0.28 something? So it's different? out of sync, right? Correct. Yeah, that's the biggest problem. They are out of sync. We have one value for the model, or we can have. You know, it's not. Um, it's not certain whether we do have or we don't have. Actually, right now we, we don't have it, right? Because uh, because we don't have we do not modify prop here, right? But there is potential for having out of sync DOM and model. So, so I actually didn't know that if you turned on prod mode, that would go away. That's interesting. It's not go away. Uh, I mean, yeah, we don't Mother see it. the error. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Error. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let me explain that part. Uh, I have, I have slide here. Oh no, not slide. Okay, don't want to go there. So actually, what Angular does, it runs change detection once from the root component and down, and then it runs change detection another time, you know, second time. And uh, during the second time, it just checks bindings. It just checks, okay, it, it uses these old values. It retrieves that old value. It compares it to whatever is returned by, where is that guy? Um, by this guy, right? Update render. Whatever is returned by this guy is compared to old values. And uh, if it's out of sync, the error is thrown. However, in prod mode, it doesn't run this second uh, validation loop, right? Second validation phase. It's not there. So that's why it didn't trigger uh, get prop second time. And that's why we didn't get this second error, like th this error. Uh, that's why. You know, that's the difference. Just running second validation loop, or we don't. In, in prod mode. And uh, the mechanism that, uh, there, there is no code that somehow alters the mechanism used to check for that error. The code is there. Uh, and uh, yeah. All right. That's all right. Mm. Sorry, sometimes it takes okay. a bit to unmute my mic. <laughs> I'm like, yes, all right. <laughs> We're good. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, so this error, we can talk a lot about that, but I know maybe we'll have another session about that. Just um, just want to talk about zones, okay? We didn't, didn't have much time. Yeah. So let's talk about zones. What do you guys know about zones? They're evil. evil yeah, and that's uh, <laughs> probably were created by an evil person. Like Brian, I guess his name was. <laughs> uh, what else? Are they really evil, though? They're, they're a solution, right? They're a solution. Evil. Evil. Okay. Well, they, you know, is 
internet or a computer evil or a good thing? It depends on how you use it, right? This right, like this right. cli cliche, but nevertheless, it's true. So the zones can be evil if you don't understand them. Ouch! Are you trying but to say you don't understand them? <laughs> Sorry, can you please repeat? I said, are you trying to say I don't understand them? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Maybe you understand them in a different way than I do. So, <laughs> and I don't know who is correct here, but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you understand them and you do think they're evil. That's also a possibility. So I think uh, it might be good to like, for most people, like they probably just know like, oh, Zone.js is like a requirement of Angular, but don't actually know what zones are. So it might be helpful to like give like a two second like intro to what, what that actually is. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so one thing I would like to begin with is that zone is not part of change detection because I see a lot of articles and, uh, talks even that that say that zone is part of change detection it's not right in in new version 5 angular you can have an application and fully functional zone uh, full functional uh, like application change detection mechanism without zones we'll, we'll take a look in a minute on that okay so the first thing it's not change detection so why do we need it that uh, if you think about it uh, somehow angular should know that we need to run change detection right how can angular know that we can run it uh there are two ways basically the same as with uh, change detection using dirty check-in right either we tell it explicitly like okay angular i think that something has changed oh i've changed something just run change detection now or it should try to pick it up automatically and Zone.js is a solution to try to pick it up automatically, okay? Uh, it's a bit um, difficult solution because uh, like most tasks in JavaScript world are asynchronous and uh, like you do not know when the request you just sent to a server will finish or when this promise will be resolved, etc. So you have to track actually asynchronous tasks somehow. And there is no mechanism inside the browser that can allow you to do that, unfortunately. So the guys came up with this idea of zones. Like every, every um, asynchronous task or every JavaScript piece of code runs inside a particular zone. And once this, and this zone tracks when this code finishes executing. Once it finished, it can run change detection. That's the basic idea why we have zones. But let me show you how you can run application without zones, okay? So you see we have this new configuration here. It's an Angular version five, which says ng-zone, nope, okay? No operation means that the Angular will provide a mock object for ng-zone. Nothing will be tracked. Everything's clean, just like some of you guys want. <laughs> and uh, so let's see here what happens. We have we have set timeout here, updating the prop, 
to update it within two seconds, okay? What do we expect to see on the screen? Well, I'm expecting since you turned off zones that <laughs> it, it doesn't change to updated. Right. But if zones are on, it won't change to updated. Yeah, yeah, it won't change this, right? That's the that's what you think will happen. Let's see that. Okay. So we're running change detection, waiting for two seconds. Nope, nothing. You're right, Justin. Uh, zones are off. Nothing is triggering change detection. No automatic change detection tree. So, uh, do you think we have something to explicitly say we should run change detection? So now you're in control of that change detection scenario. So now you have to force change detection to happen, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And there are two ways to do that. First, you can run change detection across the entire app, something that Zone does. Or you can run change detection uh, locally for a particular component and all its children. There is no way you can run change detection only for one component. Uh, only for all of its children and, and the component cell. So let's take a look at the first option. The first option is you have to inject something called application ref. This is actually a reference to an application. Right? It holds all, um, all views, all root views. Okay, You can say that it holds a reference to the root component, like app component. But, and that's essentially the app that you bootstrapped, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one thing that rarely mentioned is that you can have many applications on one page, right? You can have just just a quick. You can have, you can call this thing multiple times, like this const platform. Then you can have like this platform bootstrap module, platform bootstrap module, etc. It's legal. You'll have multiple applications on a page, okay? Yep. And then another thing is that you can have multiple root components. Here, Bootstrap takes an array, so you can have multiple components. Yeah, but this is not relevant. Uh, so here I'm injecting application ref. And what I need now to do is simply call this method tick. Okay, let's see now. Ba -bam. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And so really quick, why why app tick over say like yeah uh, do the mark for check or something like along those rounds, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. Not sure we'll get to mark for check, so I'll explain it here. Right, so application ref tick, this is the method used to trigger change detection for all root components and their children's, so effectively across the entire application. This is the method that is triggered by zone. So zone uses precisely that method to notify Angular about change detection, okay? Then we have a few other options. In other options, as I mentioned, we can run change detection locally for this particular component and all its children. So I need to inject different thing here. I need to inject this change detector ref, right? 
And and now I can do what? Detect changes, right? It should work. Let's see. Um okay. It worked, right? Right. Cool. So what is the difference? Here you're running change detection only for this component and all its children. For Whereas example, like app.tick for like the whole app. Yes, yes, for all components. Exactly. That's the, the biggest difference. So for example, inside this set timeout, we've just changed the property of this particular component, right? So we know that nothing else should change inside the application nothing else and uh, so change detect changes is i would say the preferred method here however if um, uh if for example you had some different service here right some service and then you would do like this here some service uh notify somebody Like this, right? And then you would have some value there. You don't really know what will happen. Like what notify somebody will do. It can notify every single component inside the application. I mean, if if you wrote that service, that's okay. You you can track down every component that's affected by this change, but usually you don't do that. So if it's something like that, I think application graph tick is the uh, full way to go. And so like th this whole concept of like why we got zones and everything, the, the idea is that instead of having, say, a change detection system that ticks on a regular interval and is just monitoring everything for us automatically, like there's some minimalists of that of saying, okay, we'll, we'll do it on these things that we know we want to do, and then everything else you can kind of control from there. So it's just not this constant running of things, right? And I think that that's probably something that, you know, if you step back and you look and you don't really understand what's going on with change detection, you may think, oh, well, it's just taking care of for us. And so it's always running and doing its thing and and, and taking care of it for us. But uh, that's what these pieces are doing here really under the hood, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly that. You're absolutely right. Yeah, instead of, you know, polling, doing regular intervals, calling application ref tick, is very wasteful, right? You know, because you may not have any changes within these intervals. However, if you get a server request or like promise being resolved or, you know, any, any basically asynchronous task, there is a great possibility, like great changes, that the state of the application has been mutated, at least somewhere. Yeah. So we just, one run that change detection. Right. But yeah, but as I've showed here, it's optional. So if you think that that's not what you should do, you can opt out of that. And uh, I think the guys in Angular, in Angular, they figured that out. So they introduced that option. Uh, for the guys who will be watching that and who come from AngularJS world, we also had two things in AngularJS. We had scope apply, okay? and we had scope digest. 
So this would correspond to application ref tick, like run change detection across entire application. And this would correspond to detect changes inside the component and all the children. Just just a quick note here. Nice. Thanks. Okay, cool. Uh, and one thing I would like to mention about mark for check. Uh, this is, there is the, this question pretty popular in Stack Overflow. What is the difference between detect changes and mark for check? I put my answer there. It's all also at it at the bottom. I saw it too late, so <laughs> I need upvotes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the the biggest difference is that detect changes, as we just saw with you guys, it triggers change detection. Right? We, we've seen that. However, mark for check doesn't trigger change detection. What it does, it just modifies the view state. It uh, it says that okay, Angular, this view that I'm called upon, it needs to be checked once, and then you know you can do whatever you want with that. I mean, if it's on push strategy, right? Then you can say that the check is disabled again. I mean, if we have time, I'll, I'll show that. But mark for check does not trigger change detection. So I'll, I'll show you now that. If we now run the same code here, we won't have anything rendered. You see, like no changes because change detection is not triggered, and that's that's the biggest difference between the two: the detect changes and mark for check. Okay, I'll put them again here so we see. Okay. Cool. All right, well, we're kind of hitting the top of the hour, so probably time to wrap it up here. Um, okay. Yeah, any last things you want to uh, mention here? This is really cool. Um, no, I have one push also, but not sure we'll have time, so. Uh, I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have another episode where you can go with the rest of the stuff in part no. two or so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Not the, nothing it. to add. So I, I would just said maybe that mark for check that we just saw is uh, relevant for on push. Okay. Relevant for on push because uh, for on push, right, you have uh, change detector detached. Okay. Oh, maybe one more thing I would like to, to point yeah. out here. Uh, you see that change detector F? Uh, I've seen sometimes people say that every component has its own change detector. This can be, uh, this is very simplified version. There is no uh, change detector F created for each component. Actually, change detector F is just a wrapper around the view. Remember the view that we saw, right? With this, with yep. its own state. So here you just you can sort of replace this with in your mind with this view detect changes. And then it should make sense because I I've told you that view that change detect change detection is run on a view, right? Checks all its nodes, 
bindings, etc. So you know, just it's technically correct. Yeah, that that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it for cool. me. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, let's see. Let me stop sharing your screen. Thank you. Let's yep. see. Stop. Okay. Cool. Yep, I've done. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get to get to some picks real quick, and then uh, call it a show. Uh, Alyssa, you have any picks for us today? Um, just one. Over Thanksgiving, I found a fun show on the History Channel, and it's called Forged in Fire, and it's all about bladesmithing. And I'm like in love. So yeah, if you want to nerd out about blacksmith bladesmithing, yeah, just check it out. History Channel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is that the challenge one that where they compete against each other for building blades or is that yes. a different one it's so epic it's like a football game for me i'm like yeah he won <laughs> nice nice all right austin what you got thanks uh first off thanks for sharing that deep dive into change detection it was really interesting it was a little deeper than i've actually went inside that as well so it was Thanks again for sharing that. Um, so I've got a couple um, picks this week. Uh, so I found out that there is a new NPM site coming and it is super cool. Uh, a lot more information um, so, so that when you're like looking for NPM packages, it's a lot more helpful and things like that. So watch out for that uh, releasing. It's in preview right now. Um, also, there's this project that Amazon put out uh, called like Sumerian. And this is basically like um, you got, everyone knows like I love like VR and stuff like that. And this is basically like a VR, AR editor where you can, um, you know, build these interfaces and output to WebVR and things like that and write and uh, like the language it uses is JavaScript as well. So that is super cool. Definitely check that out. Um, and then uh, like a major announcement that came out, uh, I guess, I don't know if it was last week, but the week before, like now WebAssembly is shipping in all the major browsers. So that is pretty huge. Uh, for us as like devs now that we can start taking advantage actually taking advantage of that now and it's going to mean like it's going to totally change the way that we're you know building applications in terms of how we deploy them and, and the things that we can do with that extra performance nice nice yeah that'll be interesting to see how WebAssembly comes along and then what it's uh maybe role in angular might play down the road that'll be interesting all right, I got two picks. Um, I got a release by Zeit. Uh, Zeit's the company that does Hyper, the terminal application. Uh, they do a couple other things, pretty cool. Uh, but this thing called release is for automatically creating GitHub releases for your repos, um, doing change commits and stuff like that together to kind of automating that process, pretty cool. It's on github.com slash Z-E-I-T slash release. Uh, and then my other pick is Sesame Street parodies. Uh, Sesame Street does all these different parodies. They got Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. They've got a Stranger Things one. Um, it's so epic. I love them. Uh, I just started watching them the other weekend, and uh, they're pretty cool. So check them out. Sesame Street's definitely woke. So if they're up on current events. Check them out. Um, all right, Max, uh, you got any picks? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, just 
my publication. <laughs> this, if you guys enjoyed or like the kind of kind of information that I outlined here, there's a wealth of that kind of of that deep, you know, into the sources information on that blog on that publication. It's uh, angularindepth.com. That's the website. And uh, also, I think that for software engineers to be a good engineer, you have to be curious. You know, part of what drives me to you know sit on weekends and nights and <laughs> look at that code there is curiosity. And uh, so this is the book. There is a great book on Amazon called Curious, and uh, it's by Jan Leslie, I guess. So, guys, it it goes into the science of what it means to be curious and uh, how it actually is a state of mind, and it's not something you are born with. So, if you're not curious now, you can develop that. And this book talks about the ways to do that. You know, we need more curious developers and you know, <laughs> more curious people in general. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Nice. That's it. All right, well, that's a wrap. Max, NG Wizard, thanks a lot for coming on, sharing the time. Thanks uh, for having so, me. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yes. Uh, quick notes to our viewers, next week we're gonna do a Friday show. Uh, so out of town for the first part of the week. So we're gonna do a show on Friday. Uh, so check that out um, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks again, see ya. Yeah. Thank you guys for the questions as well. Yeah. Too. Yeah, that was Bye. It.